Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Good morning. How's everyone this morning? Good. Good to see everyone. It is a, a joy to be back with you. Uh, joy to be here with some members of the Hill Church from San Diego, and it's a really privilege for me to be here with my seven-year-old daughter who sat in the back with me right back there and uh, as I used to hold her with a bottle in her mouth as I used to come in here and listen to chapel. I used to uh, fill her bottle extra heavy with formula that day and after worship was over she would sleep heavy through the, through the message. I want to invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 10. This morning we're going to be considering the, the final verses of Mark chapter 10, just before Jesus enters Jerusalem to begin his Passion Week, is this text in this chapel service, which the Lord used to really open my eyes to a reality I hope you get to see today, and is this text which the Lord has continued to use in my life to help me see Jesus, and I hope that I can encourage you with that today. Before Jesus' Passion Week begins, Mark has to bring his discipleship section to a close by way of this narrative concerning blindness. Mark's intentionality here is undeniable. And I don't want us to miss this morning the connection Mark makes concerning sight as it relates to following Jesus. I ask you a question this morning. What do you think you need more of this morning to help you faithfully follow Jesus in this life? If I would have been asked that question during my time here, I would have given you a a long list of things. I was very well aware of my lack of preparation for ministry, and in many ways I still am. I would have said, More hermeneutics, more theology, more pastoral ministry, more counseling, more counseling, more counseling, more evangelism, all true. But after a a few years of ministry, I would answer that question differently. What I need more than anything else to faithfully follow Jesus, and what you need more than anything else to faithfully follow Jesus and to serve him in this life is sight. I need to see, and you need to see. More than anything else, this very strategic, I think, time of preparation in your life is meant to give you eyes to see. As I said, it was this text in this chapel by your president which allowed me to see the reality that Mark is teaching us here in our text. Here's what I think it is. That following Jesus demands truly seeing Jesus for who he is and what he has done for us. Following Jesus demands truly seeing Jesus for who he is and what he has done for us. I'm going to pick up reading in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46, and read to the end of this section in 52. This is God's word. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. 
When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Father, as we spend these next few moments gazing into your word, Lord, I pray you would give us sight to see you. Give us sight to see ourselves, but give us sight, Lord, beyond ourselves to see you so that we can faithfully follow you in this life. To that end, we give our time in Jesus' name. Amen. First seven chapters, Mark has painted a a detailed portrait concerning the identity of Jesus as the Son of God. Who is the Son of God has been his question. Mark presents Jesus as the the prophesied son, the one confirmed by the Father as as his son at his baptism. He is the one who cast out demons. He is the one with the power to heal the sick and raise the dead. He calms the seas with his own voice, and then he walks upon the waters. He feeds thousands with a few fish and loaves. Mark lays out for us in really breathtaking detail just who this Jesus is, the Son of God, in the first seven chapters. But what does it look like to follow this Jesus is Mark's topic of concern in chapters 8 through 10. Discipleship is the issue. And Mark puts a period on this section by way of this story of Jesus healing a blind man. Very interestingly, Mark began his discipleship section back in chapter 8, 22 with another story concerning another blind man, blind man of Bethsaida. There, Jesus healed this man in really a twofold manner, something we find nowhere else in the Gospels. When Jesus touched this man's eyes the first time, the text says he regained his sight, sort of. He saw, but he didn't really see. Things were still blurry. It required a second touch by the Savior before his sight was fully restored. And this story really segues into Peter's great confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Peter saw Sort of. Because after Peter predicts his death and resurrection for the first time, Peter rebukes Jesus, basically telling him there is no way he will allow him to die. There's no such thing as a dying Messiah for Peter. But as we know, Jesus rebukes Peter, exposing his need for further sight. Peter and the disciples see, but not truly. And their blindness is unmistakable. And it builds in this section, culminating in the preceding narrative to our text this morning, when the disciples have the audacity to ask the Son of God for favored positions in the kingdom. The kingdom of man has blinded them to the kingdom of God. So my prayer this morning is that God would allow us, all of us, to see, not like the disciples, but like blind Bartimaeus. Because without sight we cannot and we will not faithfully follow Jesus in this life. I'm going to have a simple outline this morning. It's such a rich and beautiful text. I don't want to mess it up with an outline. We're going to consider 
what I think is the proper plea in verses 46 through 48, and then the Savior's response in 49 through 52. So first, the proper plea. Jesus' ascent from Judea to Jerusalem, which began back in 10.1, makes its way through Jericho this morning, the last stop before entering the holy city. And as Jesus passes through with his group of followers, he encounters this blind man named Bartimaeus. Verse 46, it describes him as Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, who was sitting by the roadside. The day probably began like most for Bartimaeus. Awaking and emerging from his makeshift bed, he probably would have stretched his stiff body and began feeling his way along a familiar path leading to the Jericho Gate. Maybe he was able to beg and grab a scrap of bread for breakfast. But eventually he would have taken his place alongside the other beggars at the gate. You see, the route from Jericho to Jerusalem was a busy one with people coming and going. So Bartimaeus was strategically, has strategically located himself alongside a busy intersection in order to beg. All the sounds of the city coming to life would have echoed through his ears, donkeys and camels carrying loads and people passing by as if he did not exist. Sadly, probably something he was used to. But suddenly he hears a crowd approaching. And as the noise gets closer and closer, somehow he hears what it's all about. Maybe he asks someone. We don't know. However, it happens at some point, Bartimaeus hears and understands that Jesus of Nazareth is leading this crowd. And Bartimaeus has heard about Jesus. He knows of his miracles and powers. He knows this may just be the Messiah. This may be the one who, the one he so badly wants to see is coming his way, so he determines he will not allow this opportunity to pass him by. Verse 47, when he heard it, it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus did the only thing he could do. He cried out from a helpless state for mercy. He cry, and his cries were met with acknowledgement, probably something he probably was not used to. Maybe this was the first time in a long time someone actually took note of him. And their response? Shut your mouth. You're embarrassing us. Sit there and keep quiet. The crowds are insensitive to this poor man. He's disregarded by the crowds, but not by Jesus. And not by Mark. And we should ask why. Because Mark presents this man's plea as a portrait of what it means to truly follow Jesus. Bartimaeus is fully aware of his desperate condition. Blindness has characterized his entire life. His condition had forced him to the really the lowest point in society, basically begging to survive. He was totally dependent upon the grace of others everything. It was a difficult life. But this difficult life had given blind Bartimaeus eyes to see his true state. So he cries out to Jesus for mercy, acknowledging his helpless and hopeless condition. He could not provide for himself. He could not obtain wealth on his own. He was alone and completely dependent upon the mercy of others. Bartimaeus was aware of his desperate 
helpless state you see the physical blindness though his physical blindness he possessed a very I think accurate perception of himself the blind Bartimaeus perception of himself it went further than himself for he also saw who Jesus was he possessed a spiritual perception the disciples did not which forced him to cry out boldly, publicly, and repeatedly declaring his dependence upon Christ, the Son of God, the Son of David. Twice in verse 47 and 48, blind Bartimaeus echoes forth this messianic title, reaching back into the Old Testament. We read of God promising to raise up one from the line of David to rule and reign forever. 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 14, we read, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. You shall come, he shall, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me his son. Yes, David had a son, King Solomon, who would rise to great power and build the temple. Solomon would die. The kingdom would be divided and ultimately exiled from the land. There had to be another who would come and rule and reign forever to establish an eternal kingdom forever. And blind Bartimaeus sees and confesses Jesus as this true son of David here. You see, Mark presents this blind beggar as a model for sight. Blind Bartimaeus possesses a sight we all must if we're to faithfully follow Jesus. He was aware of his helpless and hopeless state before the Lord. And he was aware the solution to his desperate state was found in Christ alone. And he did what we must do. He cried out in full dependence upon Christ. And he cared nothing of what people said or thought about him. He, they tried to silence him and he cried even louder. He saw his desperate state. And he saw his Savior. So he cried for mercy. I'm going to say to you this morning, and this was, the, uh, this was the, the moment that clicked in my heart and continues to click in my heart is this. Until you see yourself rightly, you will not see Jesus truly. Until you, until you see Jesus truly, you cannot faithfully follow him. Following Jesus begins with awareness. Awareness of yourself. Mark has been showing us in the preceding chapters what this entails. We must be aware of our pride and desire to seek position over servanthood. Chapter 10, verse 35 through 45. We must be aware of breaking the first commandment by seeking satisfaction in the, temp in the temporal things of this world, the rich young ruler in 17 through 31. We must be aware that our greatest need is to believe, to confess our unbelief and believe like Jesus, 924. Following Jesus begins with awareness because awareness leads us to dependence or we become like blind Bartimaeus. We must have this proper plea of dependence on the mercy of Christ because dependence is the pathway upon which we faithfully follow Jesus. So there's a proper plea, but there's also here the Savior's response in 49 through 52. Now, we cannot forget the fact that Jesus is leading the way into Jerusalem. Right? He is determined to fulfill the Father's will. 
So it would make sense to us for Jesus to simply pass by this poor begging man. I mean, he really does have more important things on his plate. He's about to give his life for the sins of mankind. And yet, we come to verse 49. Look at it. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. Jesus brings this bustling crowd following him to a screeching halt. In the midst of this busy scene, the Son of God hears the cry of this one overlooked blind beggar, and he stops. Grace always stops. Grace always sees people, and grace always responds. As Dr. Aiken said, I was blessed to receive two degrees from this great institution, which has earned the title of the Great Commission Seminary. Every classroom, a great commission classroom is the motto. It was within this context I was given not just a a passion for the Great Commission, but really learn the role of the proclamation of God's word in it. But there was a lesson I learned on my vision trip here, which really stuck with me and grounded me throughout my time here. After seeing the campus and meeting some professors, I was graciously treated to lunch with a few PhD students and a friend of mine who became very dear to me. We went to lunch and I was quickly immersed in a conversation regarding theology, academics, and mission. It was refreshing. It was exciting to me to see young men so passionate about the Great Commission. But when leaving my my friend, who I, I didn't know at this moment at all, I just met him. He asked me what I thought of lunch and the conversation, and he could tell that my response, he could see me as I was, I was very excited in what was going on. But he said to me, I want to ask you a question. He said, did you see the lady sitting next to us in the booth who, who was crying? I hadn't. Actually, I don't believe any of us had seen this person except my friend. We had been so enamored with the conversation regarding the gospel going to the nations, we never saw the individual lady in the need of the gospel right in front of us. My friend taught me an important lesson that day before I ever officially set foot on this campus or cracked the first book. A desire to reach the world for Christ begins and ends with a call to engage individual people. Jesus never allowed the crowds to cause him to overlook the one. In the midst of the magnitude of Jesus' mission, he never missed the cry of mercy from the one. One of the most dangerous lies you will be tempted to believe while you're here studying is this. It's just a season. In other words, you know you will, you, there's certain areas of your life where you're not being faithful. And you'll justify that by t- you'll be tempted to tell yourself, It's just a season. I know I'm not sharing the gospel. I know I'm not discipling other people. I know I'm not engaging lost people, but it's just a season. When things slow down, I will. Well, let me let you in on a secret. Things are not going to slow down. If you're going to serve King Jesus, things are never going to slow down and potentially speed up. Who are you engaging with the gospel? Who are you praying for? 
Who are you having over to dinner? Who are you listening to their story? Who are you reorienting your busy schedule to respond to? Jesus stopped and responded to one overlooked person on the way to die for the sins of the world. Who are you stopping and responding to? It's possible to get caught up in praying for the purposes of God in your family, in your church, in your neighborhood, in the city, in the world, and yet neglect engaging lost people. I know that from experience. But Jesus never did. Jesus stopped the crowds for the one, and he commands them, call him. The text says, and they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. Verse 50, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Imagine the scene. Blind, overlooked man they had just been rebuking now springs to his feet and hurriedly approaches Jesus. John 10 comes to mind, right? My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Jesus called him. He sprung to his feet. He came. Verse 51, Jesus said to him, Jesus asked him a simple, straightforward question. What do you want me to do for you? This question should sound familiar to us. It is the exact question Jesus asked the disciples back in verse 36. What do you want me to do for you? And they asked Jesus to grant them the honored seats in the kingdom on his right and his left hand. But not blind Bartimaeus. He simply responds, I just want to see. Look, Mark writes here with strategic precision. The disciples' request demonstrates their inability to see the kingdom of God through the kingdom of man. They're blind. They can't see what blind Bartimaeus can see. And the divine Son of God asks blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, let me recover my sight. The NIV, I just want to see. As one commentator points out, the sons of thunder, James and John, asked for extraordinary glory. Bartimaeus asked for ordinary health. He just wants to see. And the Savior responds to his humble request with overwhelming grace. Jesus' healing grace overflows in verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. Grace extends healing and Bartimaeus reaches out in faith to receive it. And notice, it's not the amount of faith or the power of Bartimaeus' faith which heals him. It's the power of whom he has faith in. It's the object of his faith which heals him. His faith rested in the only one who could heal him. And Jesus instantly and miraculously opened his eyes, allowing, here's an important part here, allowing his physical sight to be brought into alignment with his spiritual sight. Bartimaeus is now able to see physically the one he has been trusting in to save him. That's exactly the idea here. The word behind this phrase, you guys know this, made you well, could be saved. NIV translates it, healed you. And the CSV directly says, your faith has saved you. This word can be used both in physical terms and spiritual terms for healing. So which one is it? 
Yes. Was he healed physically or spiritually? Yes. End of verse 52 tells us, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This little phrase, on the way, is especially important for Mark in this section. In fact, many refer to Mark's discipleship section here in 8 through 10 as the way section due to this, his usage of this phrase seven times throughout. And notice its placement here. Listen, look at it. Its placement as the final phrase before Jesus marches into Jerusalem. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The same grace which healed Bartimaeus' blind eyes now empowers him and enables him to follow Jesus. Faith that does not lead to discipleship following Jesus is no saving faith at all. For Jesus' healing grace always results in Jesus' enabling grace. We can't miss what Mark is doing here. Discipleship demands sight. Following Jesus requires a spiritual awakening where your eyes are open to the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. It's seeing your desperate state as a sinner in need of God's mercy. It's seeing that you are helpless and hopeless in Christ, apart from Christ. And then and only then are you able to see the truth of who Jesus is and what he has truly done for you in the gospel. And it's this sight which we are granted in salvation which carries us on to faithfully follow Jesus. Discipleship demands proper sight. Like in the short three years since I graduated from this institution, moved to San Diego, planted a church, and entered pastoral ministry, I've come to learn the freedom and necessity of embracing the reality behind this story of blind Bartimaeus. If you're going to follow Jesus faithfully in this life, in whatever call that you may have, you must possess proper sight. Less than two years after moving to San Diego, a year after planting the Hill Church, I get a phone call at 5 a.m. in the morning saying my, my father, my hero, my rock, the center of our family has taken his own life. PTSD had been a part of his life since he arrived home from Vietnam when he was 19 years old. But in a way no one could see coming, in just a matter of 15 days, my father went from a giant of a personality, the, really the, the center of our family, into deep depression that ended tragically. It was suffocating to me. It was suffocating to my, my wife, my kids who loved their papa. We didn't know what to do. And yet after flying home for a few weeks, getting through doing my dad's funeral, praying with my wife, we felt the Lord wanted us to stay in San Diego and continue our labor at the hill. So we did. 
how was I supposed to do this? How was I supposed to lead? How was I supposed to stand up week after week and preach God's word? How was I supposed to be a leader of a church plant where almost everything is dependent upon me and my family during this season of our life? I had to learn to see. By God's grace, I was forced to face the reality which is true for everyone in this room. I did not, you do not, have in and of yourself the strength, the ability, the capacity to faithfully follow Jesus. You do not. We really have nothing to offer. The fact is we are all blind Bartimaeus. And the sooner we embrace this truth, the more effective we can be in the service of King Jesus. We're all helpless and hopeless in and of ourselves in doing anything of kingdom significance for Him. We're all completely dependent upon the grace of Christ to serve Him in any capacity. The question this morning really is this. Do you see yourself as blind Bartimaeus did? Or do you see yourself as the disciples who believe they deserved a special place in the kingdom? It's only when you see yourself rightly you can come to see Jesus truly in all his beauty, in all his power, in all his grace towards you. To faithfully follow Jesus, you must see Jesus. So students, don't miss this most important equipping season of your life. Be disciplined in your studies. Be diligent to take advantage of this season. Get up early. Go to bed late. Stop whining about your tire. Take advantage of what you have. But do it with the right purpose in mind. Do it to gain sight. Grow in your awareness of yourself and learn to embrace your utter dependence upon Christ. See Jesus so you can faithfully follow Jesus. Professors, don't allow your students to miss Jesus. Flunk them if they need to. Be hard on them. Be gracious to them. Help them peel back the layers of their life and all the disciplines that they're going through so they can see Jesus, so that they can faithfully follow him. Because following Jesus demands truly seeing Jesus for who he is and what he has done for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we... We thank you for sight. We thank you that by your grace and your goodness that you opened our eyes to see you. There's only a work that you can do that we saw our need for you and we saw the glory of your great name. Thank you. But Lord, let us remember that the process of following you is to continue to see you. Because we know the great 
promise of this Bible is that in the end we will see you face to face. So Lord, I pray for my life and these students' life and everyone here that Lord, you would sharpen our eyes. Give us a continued growing awareness of who we are not and who we are apart from you. But then it led us to see you in all of your glory, all your beauty, all your majesty, and let us then see ourselves because of who we are in you so that we can faithfully follow you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you're our king, you're our Lord, you're our Savior. You're the one that stopped to show us mercy. Lord, in all these things, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.edu.